Good morning, Ray. Good morning, John. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Are we recording? Yeah, we've been recording. Okay. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, John. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Fantastic, brother. I want to welcome you to the banks of the beautiful Tennessee River here in the studios of Saturday Morning Sales Meeting. Thank you very much. And I want to wish you a happy Friday, Ray. Happy Friday to you. So, you got any uh, current events? Well, I'm just wondering what's up with the two baseball caps you oh, have on. Oh, crap. You've got one for the Orioles and one for the Indians. Yeah, this, this is not a... I, I, I'm convinced that there's no entertainment value to what you're doing. I should say, I'm expecting you to break out the uh, Major League quotes. You okay. Know? Remember that movie, Major League? Great. Who was that guy, Bob Euchre? That was the announcer? Uh, yeah. That guy was hilarious in that movie. Yeah. And he would get kind of buzzed while he was calling the game out because they sucked, right? Was he uh, he the guy who, uh, you know, must be the front row? Oh, Remember him on the beer commercials? Yeah, I think he did the Miller Lite commercials. I don't know. Right? He did Tastes one great, of them. less filling, that he, kind of thing. He was, he was the comic relief, though. Yeah. Went to the Mexican restaurant and... Yeah. He said, uh, he saw something about mariachis. He goes, mariachis, that sound good. Let me order one of those. I don't and, remember that And part. the band's sitting there playing. Everybody else has their food. Or the mariachi group is sitting there playing yeah. next to the table. And everybody are you else making has this food. up? Why, no. do, why do you go off on these tangents that you're making up that are obviously Man, not true? YouTube it. Check it out. It's like and, you can picture it. And he's sitting there going, God, I wonder where my food's going to get here. Everybody else is eating, and the mariachi band's playing, and he ordered mariachi. Oh, and he's wondering why his food hasn't arrived. Why his food hasn't arrived yet. It's funnier when you tell it than than the real commercial. (laughs) This is hilarious. This is riveting podcasting right here. You know, for somebody who has their own line of humor, that you would be so bold as to call me out (laughs) on my... Attempts. Fair enough. So, yeah, we have a couple of current events. Uh, if you would like me to jump in, or I would do. you like to do something? No, you go right ahead. Let me uh, pull those up. Let me clear my throat, Ray. Saved items here on LinkedIn. So, we have one that says uh, this is Chris Martinez, best selling author, driving sales, what it takes to sell a thousand cars a month. Well, can you imagine selling a thousand cars a month as a salesperson? Geez, you could retire. Um, He says, success is neither magical nor mysterious. Success is the natural consequence of consistently applying the basic fundamentals. And he attributes that quote to Jim Rohn. So success is just the natural consequence of consistently applying the basic fundamentals. And that's funny because I was talking to a dealer a few months ago and we were talking about our consulting business and how you know we help dealers to raise their overall sales and that kind of thing you know through process through BDC through sales training and he says well how are you able to consistently get those numbers I said he said what's your magic bullet you know what's the secret what's your key right I said I'm gonna be frank with you there is no brand new secret process that we do I said, we just implement the things that everybody agrees we should be doing, right? right? I mean, it's in the training. It's in the management of the process. It's not in the new secret process. No. Which I think that's what Jim Rome 
You know, right. that's what Chris Martinez here is quoting Jim Rohn as saying. Yeah, it's the consistency with what we know people should be doing and holding them accountable. It goes back to that manager engagement that we've talked about even recently. Um, it, tracking, you can't manage what you can't measure, those type mentalities. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many uh, consulting clients that I've used this same phrase with in the past, just within the past two weeks of, what you'll tolerate is what you should expect. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that's just so key that what, if you tolerate people not doing, not following the process, not doing the things they're supposed to be doing, but you expect them to be doing that, I, that, that just, that to me is uh, the definition of insanity. Right. It's the recipe for disaster, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. And, and again, I just, you know, the, these are not new ideas. What you'll tolerate is what you should expect. Did that sound like a mariachi? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> what do you have over there? Some kind of. It's a, uh, this is what a, are those uh, things called? Were you you know with the handle and the beads and the. I thought it was a mari- Oh, the mariachi is the band. Right. That thing is called a uh, maraca. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You got your maraca over there. Yeah. Your so Mexican hat. This on. is uh, the value size CVS brand ibuprofen that has a thousand tablets. <laughs> I'm not going to have to buy ibuprofen for years. Yeah, at least for a couple weeks. <laughs> working, on, working with you on this podcast, right. you may be right. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we agree that uh, there's no magic bullet. It's right. doing what we... Yeah, holding it's, people it's accountable. Ma- yeah, expectations equal reality. Following the process. I, I think I mentioned before, you know, going into a... a a new hire training a friend of mine was doing. He and I were going to meet together when they were going to take their break. And uh, as I walked in the room, he introduced me and said, Hey, Ray, what do you have to share with these new hires? Right? What words of wisdom can you provide them? And I said, the best advice I can give you is trust and follow the process. Do the process. You're learning how to do it right now. Just trust that this is the best way. Don't try to recreate it. Of course, you'll infuse your own nuances. But the bottom line is just do the process. And they did for two weeks. And they were very successful. And then they can't figure out why they stopped selling cars all of a sudden. (laughs) Yeah. Because once they figured it out, the sales dropped, right? Amen. All right. Here's another little quick one, Ray. It says... uh, a stone is broken by the last stroke of the hammer. But that doesn't mean that the first stroke was useless. <laughs> That's pretty good, isn't Such it? Such wisdom. I love it. I love little sayings like that. Of course you do. And it says under that, success is the result of continuous and persistent effort, which is kind of what we're saying in the first point. Yep. And this, let's give a shout out here to Mike Vogel. He's a fixed ops coach. Okay. And those are my current events, right? I have two. All right. Do you have any to share? Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to reference the specific post just because I'm not sure where our conversation is going to lead. But it's the post is in reference to the value of a outsourced BDC, right? It kind of you know, I mean, big dealer groups have centralized BDCs, right. but actually. Allowing some outside company to be your BDC offsite that has no real engagement other than the account rep uh, with your dealership. I think it's the same, if you're asking my opinion. I am. I think the same can be said for any type of vendor. 
You know, it depends if you want a digital retailing vendor, if you want a marketing vendor, if you want a training vendor. I think it depends on the quality of the company you hire. Amen. And the reason I say that is, yes, having people on site is wonderful, but it does have its downfalls. Right. You know, the ability to get up and go talk to a manager can sometimes be a detriment. Right. Right. The salesman walking in saying, hey, uh, what's going on with this deal? You know, is that worth me upping? You know, hey, you got any appointments today? You know, and distractions and all of that. So the second point I want to make is, like you said, some dealer groups have a centralized BDC. Right. Well, you already have an off-site BDC. Yeah. The only advantage to having a remote is you don't have to hire those employees and worry about training them and maintaining, you know, the level of people that you want and the quality of interaction and all of that. Right. You outsource that. And again, there are some crappy ones out there. Right. And there are some good ones out there. So, I th- yeah, I think it's in the, how it's... Um, and I, I think it's in the quality of the vendor. It's a it's there are trade offs involved. Yes, right. Even an off site or a centralized BDC within a dealer group, mm-hmm. and I see that it more with service than sales. Sales, I, I don't see how you can truly be effective and and fully utilize your BDC if it's run by some third party off site. Okay. Uh, I think the real time engagement with appointment set and expectations and follow up, I just think that that's difficult to achieve all the results possible with somebody who's off site. Now with service, I think it's it's certainly more, that I think is is more, more has more potential yeah. for gaining real benefit. Um, however, e- even when it's centralized within a dealer group, that business development manager, that BDM, is still having regular meetings with the service advisors from all the dealerships, right? And they can go on site and you know meet with the advisors and and call them in real time and let them know things going on with their customers. Um, well, see, I, I think that's important. And I think that's where it comes down to implementation. Whether it's on-site or remote, I think that communication element is very, very important. And But you're never going to have that from a third party. Well, I think you can. I think it depends. You Were know, they're you know, calling you know. on to the lane and, and talking to advisors about you know customers? Well, well, I don't know about that specifically. I don't know that an on-site BDC needs to do that consistently. Well, but I think if you have a BDC manager, say, that's right. in communication with a sales manager and a service director, then, yeah, I think that stuff can trickle down to the departments. Right. As long as we have the key um, the key people communicating. Yeah. Uh and because, I mean, we've seen it in on-site BDCs where, you know, you're, you got a BDC with two reps that's combined making 100 calls a day. Right. Well, how? It's because the girls are constantly getting up and running to the lane. Oh, Let yeah. me go talk to this guy. Let yeah. me go over here, you know. But it's like we started off with, right? Management, oversight, setting expectations, holding people accountable is key to positive function within any dealership or any business. It doesn't matter. I agree. And that's why I say, you know, you can have these pitfalls on site where, I mean, we've been in them where there is no daily meeting. There is no, you know, save a deal meeting or there's no communication going on. It's just a battle because the sales manager never wanted a BDC, but the dealer forced him to have it. 
So he doesn't want to talk to the BDC manager. The BDC yeah. manager knows that. And so uh, there's no point in me trying to tell him about my appointments. He doesn't care. Yeah. So it just can break down even when it's on site. And by the same token, remotely, yeah, that's a little bit more difficult to have that great communication. But if you've got a rock star account manager or, or you know, even a remote BDC is going to have a manager over that BDC uh, and that person can reach out to clients and, you know, communicate, hey, here's what we have going on. Here's what we did for your dealership yesterday. Here's what's coming in the day. I think it's a great, uh, it, it's an opportunity to relieve the dealer of some expense. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Some the the biggest expense in a dealership. I mean, we've heard uh, you know Lawson Owen, who we both have great respect for. Biggest e- expense in a dealership is the two legged expense. Right. So if you can outsource something, uh, you, you can usually find cost savings rather than. The employees with the benefits and the issues and the management of and the HR and all of that. Um, and I would say that's worthwhile as long as your production doesn't suffer because of it. Right. You know, and obviously if you're going to be paying a third party. And you, you recognize you're, you're what gonna you're giving hope. up yeah. by not having it internal, right? I mean, it has to be, it's it just to my way of thinking, it makes it much more difficult for consistent communication to the customer. Right. Right, because okay. at some point the customer is handed off from that BDC over to the actual dealership. Right. Right. Well, so for them to be setting proper expectations just over the phone, right? Uh, it's it's more difficult, but I, it does go back to the quality of that offsite BDC. I agree, and let's face it, a lot of them. This, that's kind of a new thing that a lot of vendors are doing. And a lot of them aren't doing it. You know, they're kind of figuring it out as they're charging the dealers. Right. Which, you know, who who wants to... It's just like anything else. You don't want to be the first one to buy a product, right? Because yeah. <laughs> there's going to be some recalls. There's going to be some, you know, finding a better way to do things. Right. It's cutting edge and bleeding edge, right? When yeah. you're implementing the cutting edge anything, well, the, the one who's on the beta side of that, the customer, is the bleeding edge as they're figuring it out. Yeah. Now... I know you and I have been in some instances promoting new products like that. Yeah. And, you know, hey, we, we partnered with them and either gave a discount or, you know, gave some perks that the later arrivals didn't get. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe it's, you know, it's a give and take. Yeah, everything. That's what I said. It's, it's all about trade-offs and recognizing what you're giving up. By accepting this alternative. Right. And making a conscious decision that, you know, that I've got three options here and I'm choosing, I, I know what the good and bad, the pros and cons are with each one. And right. I choose this one because it's best fits my needs or, right. you know, it's, it is most like the one I want, just like a customer picking a car. Right. Maybe he doesn't find the car that's 10 out of 10 on his item checklist, but he settles for the one that's seven out of 10, knowing that he's given up three things. Yeah. Well, and and being proactive, if you will, on recognizing what you're giving up and then implementing processes or word tracks to overcome those hurdles. Yeah, I agree. All right, so what is our topic for today? Uh, Or did we just do it? No. Okay. What is our topic for today? (laughs) Our topic for today is... You had brought it up to me like 
how can salespeople kind of cultivate their own book of business? Yeah. Yeah? Is that what you still want to go with that? Uh, sure. Okay. I like it. Okay, go. Start. So, John, how can salespeople <laughs> cultivate their own book of business? I well, see what you're doing you, here. You, you walk into a dealership, right? You're green pea. And maybe this is fresh on my mind because I've recently been doing some new hire trainings with dealerships. Um, and here's this fresh person, never sold a car before. They may not have even come from a sales-specific background. You know, I mean, they've worked in restaurants or, you know, some kind of customer service of some sort, but really have never been that that salesperson. And now we say, okay, go, right? Here's the process. Here's everything else. Go sell a car. And they just have that immediate panic of, all right, who am I going to sell a car to? Yeah. Right, and, and and we also and talk limited a bit, product knowledge. Yeah. yeah, right. They're they're in the process of learning the products, and um, you know we've certainly emphasized the stay new. Right, it's okay mm-hmm. to say, hey, listen, I'm new. Uh, in fact, a lot of customers will gravitate toward, oh, you're new. That's who I want to work with. <laughs> right, yeah, not some you don't know all seasoned, the dirty tricks. Yet. Right, yeah. some old seasoned car dog. Um, but and and. Is the value the same? I know when we started the business, it was all about standing on point. Yeah. Right? I mean, there weren't really BDCs. I mean, it was a fairly new thing, if at all. And we typically had uh, a rotating uh, phone guy. I mean, it it was either or. Either the receptionist called over the loudspeaker, sales call line one. Or I know in a dealership we were at for a while, they had... (laughs) This was so funny. They had one phone, one extension that was up like at the corner of the sales tower. Right. So, you know, supposedly right. managers could manage the call. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and that really happened. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, get him in here. What do you want? Well, yeah, man. And me, you know, uh, in the middle of August, I wasn't so hot on, you know, being out in a hundred degree oh, weather. Oh man, sweating. I fought for that seat. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, please let me take some phone ups. And I mean, I kind of parlayed that into a management position. Um, just because my, I, they gave us a script and I believed in the script and right. used it and how my numbers blew everybody else's out of the water. It worked. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> exactly. Right? Which, you know, may have something to do with why I'm such a big proponent of following the process and learning the script. But yeah, so standing on point, is it, I mean, obviously that's not done so much anymore now that we have BDCs and, you know, CRMs that you can, uh, you know, use, they're available for use either way. Sure. You know, at any rate. And I've seen a number of consultants uh, posting, you know, don't come to work to wait. Yeah. Right. Come to work to work. Right. It's not you're you're waiting. You're you're there working. So so what do you do? Yeah. Well, those old days of you know you you pull onto the lot and there's eight guys standing out front. Right. <laughs> and I remember when I first started, you know, I told you this story before. Of I went around to all the successful people and to all the managers, you know, there, and and I said, give me one idea, one point that will help make me a better salesperson. And I remember Raleigh Gettings told me, when you're in the group, out of the point, don't look around and say, can I get that one? Or oh, I'm going to go get it. He said, just start walking. Right. As soon as you see a car pull in, start walking. And don't look back and don't say anything to anybody. Just start walking. Amen. 
But but otherwise, yeah. right? I mean, other than the good old days. Well, so of course you want your opportunity to take the up the the customer who stumbles onto the dealership, right? right? They show up and say, "Yep, I'm here to look at cars." Right. Right. That that's a great thing. But I've seen many uh, people in the business, salespeople specifically, who. Not everybody in their friends and family group know that they're selling cars or they don't know it enough that when it's time for them to look for a car, they think, let me call John. Yeah. Right. Let me call Bill. I think that's why, you know, it's an old advertising adage, I believe, that is you want to be you want to be communicating with your customer often enough or your prospects, your, your prospective customers often enough that you are first in mind, right? right? That you were the last one they thought of, the last one they heard about. Uh, so that's why you've got to keep maintaining, you know, whether it's social media or, you know, whatever it is, keep your name in the forefront of your customer's mind when they think of your product. Right. Yeah. So and, and leverage your, your natural engagements in your community. I agree. Right. If yeah. you attend a, a church let people in that church know, hey, you know, I'm in the car business. If there's anything I can ever do to help you, please give me a call, right? I mean, there there are plenty of opportunities. You engage with enough people, and sometimes I think people are hesitant to be that guy, quote-unquote, or that girl who's, you know, just constantly in sales mode. But there's lots of opportunities. I mean, you spend enough time at the dealership. That you can say, you know, hey, man, you know, just in course of conversation, you should see the the new whatever that just came in. Those things are so nice. Or you, you happen to be talking to them out in the parking lot. Hey, yeah. is that your truck? That's a really nice truck. You know, I mean, that's what is that? That's a 07 or 2017 or whatever. Yeah. How long have you had that? Those are really nice. <laughs> easy ways to start conversations. I think what you're saying is it needs to be natural. And yeah, I fell into the trap and I think a lot of people do of you, you post, you know, on your social media, whatever it is, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, LinkedIn. Hey, I'm starting here. You know, I'm working here now. Right. And then you think, well, that's good for six months. You know, I told people where I was. So, you know, now they ought to start coming. Right. No, I think it's uh, just like you're saying is it, it doesn't need to be everywhere you go. You're you're flashing a card. Right. You, you know, you're rudely or, or awkwardly inserting the fact of you do what you do. But I think, yeah, you can naturally be a resource. Use it, you know, as a uh, use it as a helpful, positive thing. Right. You know, somebody says, oh, yeah, my car broke down yesterday. Oh, hey, I'd be happy to help you with that. You know, we have a service department yeah. over here where I sell cars. Right. We also have a service department. Yeah. And let me tell you, go ask for this advice. Well, right. Don't take good a, care of yours. Let me make a phone call for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's about the, the naturalness. And some people are really good at that. I mean, they're just excellent self-marketers, you know? Oh, yeah. So how can people that aren't great at that get better at it? Well, like I said, it, it needs to become part of who you are. I mean, that's just something about our society in this country is, I mean, it's very common where you'll meet somebody new and you'll say, oh, so what do you do? Yeah. Right? Because we got to classify people with what they do. 
Yeah. Right? Well, it, when you ask somebody what they do, their natural reaction is typically, uh, this is what I do. What do you do? Okay, so now you know a little bit more about me because of my profession. Now I'm going to engage with you. Oh, I'm glad you asked. You know, I work at uh, ABC Motors. Uh, yeah, down the street. What, what do you drive? Right? I mean, it, again, it doesn't have to be a hardcore sales pitch like right. you know, some multi-level marketing uh, <laughs> deal. But just to, to let people know, I think when you ask people what they do, they're, more times than not, their response is going to be, and what do you do? Right. And, you know, hey, sponsor some things. Like you said, church or civic leagues or sports. Do you have a, a koozie? Do you have pins? Do you have, if you're going to the ball field, do you have a stadium cushion? Take five the next time you go to a game. Pass them out. Right. Just become known as, oh, that's John. That's the that's my car guy. Yeah. I mean, that, how much does that increase your your visibility and your potential for opportunity just by making sure people are aware of what you do. Uh, one of the things I've said, you know, to all the green peas or new hires that I've done training with is, you know, every person on the road, every vehicle you see that's passing by this dealership or anywhere that you, you go, every vehicle has somebody who owns it, who if it made sense to them and they could afford it, would drive something newer and nicer than what they're currently in. So who is not your customer, right? Everybody on the road is your potential customer because every person on the road, if they could afford it and it made sense to them, yeah. would drive something newer and nicer. So you're, the, the opportunity is unlimited. And you have to think about it in that in those terms. I mean, I, one of the things I've, I love sharing is uh, you know just being at a gas pump. And somebody on the other side of the gas pump filling up their car and just, you know, hey, man, what year is that? Wow, that's a really nice one, right? I mean, if it's a decent car, hey, that's a really nice one. How long have you had that? People love to talk. Oh, man, yeah, I really like it. It's been a great car for me. Or, or maybe they'll say, oh, man, I, you know what? I liked it at first, but, God, it just isn't really working for me. Oh, man, well, you know, the reason I ask is, we're looking for cars like that at the dealership I'm working at. And man, they're giving a lot of money for them right now. What an easy conversation, right? I mean, is it not difficult, not intrusive, just, you know, jotting with somebody who all they're doing is standing there holding a pump handle. Well, that's a great way. I don't know about that, you know, that I would just walk up to random strangers at the gas pump, right? But, uh, you know, hey, some people do. But, but I, I like your idea of... So what's the problem with it? It's to, instead of always pushing hey buy something from me hey let me sell you something approach it from hey that's a nice ride i would love to have it yeah you know I, my sales manager asked me yesterday if i knew anybody who had an 06 impala right we were looking for those <laughs> and they go nah yeah but no i mean it's, it's paid for or yeah you know i'm, well, what I, I'm like gonna give it to my kids when i'm done with it yeah. or, oh great well hey it's a beautiful car that's yeah. really nice well, what I like about it is you're offering to give them money instead of asking them to give you money. Right. I think that's a that's a unique um, proposition that we. So you we don't you use would you would not engage a person not every time I'm at the gas pump with every vehicle <laughs> on the other side, but if it's something that I know is three to five years old and it's in good condition, I don't want to be walking up to some junker going, "Wow, that's really nice." <laughs> What the heck's wrong with you, man? The, you, you, what, are you talking to me? What, what are you, some kind of jabroni? <laughs> what are you making fun of me for my car? Is that what's going on here? Right. I mean, it, it has to fit a certain criteria. 
Right. But maybe not. I mean, hey, maybe, you know, the guy with the $2,000 car is like, I hate this car. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm hoping that someday somebody walks up to me right. and says, will you let me buy your car? Right. Because the only way I'm getting rid of this thing is in the junk heap. Because nobody's I'm, ever going to be interested Yeah, because in my it. credit score is 540. I'm not going to be driving up to the car lot with a $2,000 car saying, hey, hook me up. Right. The, the $2,000 car that I owe 5000 on. Yeah, it's the, that's the guy that they send the new guy to, right? Standing yeah. around in the circle. Hey, uh, rookie, uh, there's your up over there. You've been giving us crap about never letting you catch an up. There Absolutely. you go. I love those as, but, a, as a car salesman. Absolutely. Up. Well, you, you've talked before about working, you know, short time at a very small dealership. And every time you got anybody who was a potential customer, you had to work that customer from every possible angle, because you didn't know when you were going to get the next one. Right, right. right? But no, I, I always liked, I mean, somebody pulls up in a, a current year or one-year-old vehicle, it's going to be hard to trade that guy out of yeah. it. Yeah. But a guy pulls up in a 10-year-old vehicle that's paid for, hey, that's money down, bro. Right? I could probably get him approved. Oh, yeah. Or they've been paying on it for three to four years. Yeah. Yeah, that's something where they've got, you know, and, and the whole mileage thing. Hopefully they have some equity unless. They bought that one from me. Right. <laughs> and and I think these things are not exclusive to the car industry either. Right. Right. Letting people know what you do, starting conversations, finding creative ways to engage with people that doesn't feel like, oh, God, here we go again. This guy's, you know, somebody's going to try to sell me something. Right. But just to be able to have that conversation to say, hey, here, here's some of what we do. Right. Here's how I can help. I think that's key. I love it. Key, I love John. It. It's key. I love it. Social media, I think, is important, too. And not, you know, I've got a friend, Casey Pendleton, again, up at Dayton Ford, uh, that is constantly posting. Here's the thing he does that I love is say, hey, here's a few pictures of this car I'm trying to trade for. Right. You know, if you like it, give me a call tomorrow. I'll probably have it. Because if if you're the current customer working with him, you're like, he's already putting my car on Facebook. He's like confident we're going to be able to figure out a deal. Right. So it's a good closing tool. Closing. But it's also keeping his name in front of people. Keeping his name in front of people and potentially having that two-day unit. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, you're you're turning them within within seven days or what used car manager wouldn't love that data associated <laughs> right. with his name? And wouldn't love that salesman doing that. Oh, that's the guy that the used car manager. He's when he gets a house deal. Yeah, he's gonna be. Uh, yeah, hey, come here. I got one for you. That's cool. You got all those house deals, didn't you, John? All, all the cheese. cheese, man. Yeah, you did. I was the house mouse. <laughs> uh, not everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> There were a few managers that purposefully would not give me a deal. Right. But those were the ways to split your deal. That's just because they were weak. Well, John. Well, Ray. With that music playing, that brings us to the end of another episode of Saturday Morning Sales Meeting. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening, and uh, thank you for joining us here today, Ray. It's been quite the pleasure. Thank you, John, for joining us. <laughs> Thank you, Ray, for joining our listeners and myself. I'm glad to join. 
I hope you'll invite me again. <laughs> All right. All right. That's, that's, that's Ray and I'm John and we're out. Thanks for listening. like to learn more about John and Ray, visit our website, SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com, where you can also listen to additional episodes or read articles we've written. Or email us directly, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. We'd love to hear show ideas, comments, feedback. What about dealers and sales managers, Ray? If you're a dealer or manager who would like more information on our sales training, BDC training, new hire training, or process evaluation and improvement, simply email us, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. And don't forget about the total dealership assessment, Ray. That's where we come in, evaluate the sales process, look at the lead flow. I mean, if you've got leads that you're not handling properly, we can help. And we can help both on the variable and fixed operation sides of the dealership. Right, and these are immediate action items that you can put in place tomorrow to sell more cars or write more ROs. Right, simply email us, info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com. That's info at SaturdayMorningSalesMeeting.com.